Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepetabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. As always, we are about a week and change away from the trade deadline, and rumors are heating up, and we'll get to that in just a second. We are also going to play a little trade deadline game, and in order to do that, we need to welcome in our guest for today, the host of the Celtics Beat Podcast, Adam Kaufman. Adam, how are you? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Truly, the honors on this side of the, uh, the Zoom call. <laughs> Alex, Justin, guy. how are things? Doing okay here, Cam. Just getting back into the swing of the school year. Got a lot of projects and other fun things to grade, and all that stuff is just piling up left and right. You know the drill. Colin Count is dropping here in Mexico City. The guy playing saxophone underneath my apartment is gone. Things are looking up. <laughs> what an exciting life. About a bunch of lives we lead. All right. Uh, Kaufman, we, we have a whole game for you where we're going to talk about uh, the Celtics roster vis-a-vis the trade deadline, but about an hour ago, some news dropped that we want to react to. So uh, we'll give you first bite at the apple. Steve Bullpet of Heavy.com reported that perhaps Jalen Brown would be curious uh, about a breakup with the Celtics if things don't go so hot this spring. It's worth noting that he also reported the Celtics are in no way shopping Brown or really entertaining calls for Brown. And that other execs can confirm that. So, uh, first of all, what's your gut check to this story, and then oh, the, just the Jalen Brown trade narrative overall? Well, look, I think we know over the last decades, you know, however long exactly that Bull Pitt was on the Celtics beat for the Boston Herald before, obviously, his sabbatical and now coming back to heavy, like you mentioned. If anyone had Danny Ainge's ear, if anybody had the you know, the the inside scoop on all things Celtics, it was Steve Bullpet. So anytime that Steve tweets about or writes about anything pertaining to the C's, you listen. You can't help but listen and and read and react and, you know, more than take it with a grain of salt. You know, I think if 
I don't know, you name it. Like, and, and again, there are, there are lots of great people, but like if Mark Stein or, or even a Woj or Shams or, you know, any of these incredibly credible national reporters write something about the Celtics, you still, you know, there's always been a part of us that sat back and said, all right, but has Bullpet said anything yet? So the fact that obviously it is Steve writing this story immediately has to get your attention. Now, all of that being said, you read the story and a lot of it kind of feels speculative and logical, but not necessarily imminent. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of if this, then that type of, you know, connecting the dots where you say, all right, I mean, if it, this Celtic season, I don't need to tell you guys, you, your listeners, you know it as well as anybody else. It has been anything but an uplifting year. It has been, a, in, in many parts, a demoralizing year, except over the last month, the Seas have played on both ends of the floor about as well, or at least in terms of net rating and defense and all of that, about as well as any team across the association. They've overcome some of their COVID and, COVID and injury woes, and you know they're finally healthy and all of that. So you can get excited, and Jalen Brown tweeting about changing the energy, and Al Horford and Marcus Smart and all these guys just going out of their way to shower Jalen Brown with praise game after game. And maybe that should tell you a little bit of something too related to all of this. But, you know, I, 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 I guess where I give, you know, Steve credit for the, like the only thing in this article that really offers us anything new, you might say is, you know, it's always been, should the Jays be broken up? Should one of these guys be traded? If you're going to trade one, of course, it's going to be Jalen Brown and that incredible contract. It's not going to be Jason Tatum, who's got that all NBA ceiling mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah stuff that I'm sure you guys have talked about already. What's new here is that it would actually be Jalen potentially who's forcing the issue, you know, a la James Harden in Houston or Damian Lillard potentially in Portland or Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. These guys, you know, we, we've never really talked about this. We've never really talked about, you know, we've, we've always said like maybe years down the line when it's close to their contracts being up and they're frustrated, like, yeah, those guys, if they haven't done anything, they haven't achieved anything. They're not building anything. They're just kind of mediocre. They may want to leave. They may want to go somewhere else, but we're, we're so far away from that. You know, the idea of potentially this summer, Jalen Brown looking at it and saying, you know what? The mix ain't right. This isn't for me. I want out. Just this being suggested by somebody reputable, obviously, like Bullpet, it's noteworthy. It, it has to be something that you discuss. That being said, I don't read this and feel like there is anything remotely coming down the pike where we have to, as Celtics fans, worry about some inevitable move in the next week or even the very, you know, the the short long-term future meeting this summer. I don't think Jalen is going anywhere anytime soon. I really don't. Adam, uh, I wonder if there's anything going on here with regard to the Celtics approach to the trade deadline. And by that, I don't really mean to suggest that Jalen Brown is on the market for this trade deadline when by all accounts, all the reliable reporting I've seen suggests that he's not. Uh, I guess my question is, would an article like this coming out shortly before the trade deadline, is there a chance that this is a pressure tactic from an agent or somebody in Jalen Brown's camp for the Celtics front office to maybe make some specific moves to try and bolster the team uh, with the kind of looming threat of Jalen entering free agency? Well, I guess something that's fascinating that, you know, obviously you're alluding to here is like Danny Ainge 
you know, being on the job for the better part of two decades was never going to be pressured into doing anything. He didn't care, you know, what people in the media said. He didn't care seemingly about what his players said, you know, behind the scenes. He was not going to be forced into doing anything he didn't want to do. And I don't want to sit here and suggest that Brad Stevens would be. But the thing with Brad is we just don't know. You know, he's never been in this role before now. This is his very first trade deadline. I, I think largely every move that he has made since he's taken over, you could either say, yeah, that was a good move, or it's at least an easy move to explain. I don't think he's made one move so far where you just outright say, that was a terrible move. What in the world were you thinking? So as far as what is coming up at the trade deadline, we all know that or presume based on everything that we've read and what's been reported that there are these, you know, kind of internal mandates of, you know, like the Red Sox in years past over the last couple of years, really like let's get below the luxury tax line. Let's not deal with that. And so that's what, you know, leads people like me. I'm sure you guys and so many others to say, all right, like is, is Josh Richardson long for this team? Is Dennis Schroeder long for this team? You know, we already saw obviously the, the Hernan Gomez salary dump. Like, is there another one of these things that's going to be coming down the line here that drops them to where they need to be financially and they're not that far off? That wouldn't be surprising at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, does, does, I don't know, an article like this present any sort of public forcing of the issue to Brad and to to that front office and to ownership that says, look, guys, if, if you want to keep your stars happy. You need to build around them and you need to do it right now. And you need to make this team a contender right this second. I just don't see it because I really do believe that, that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you know, this team's core and, and, you know, I'll, I'll put them as, as the heads of the snake in terms of the players, you know, I just think they're smart enough to understand the big picture, which is if you want to put yourself into a position to go out and get a third guy of your level, be it through trade or, you know, attempting to free up salary cap space in, you know, this summer or the following summer, you got to make some minor moves along the way in order to make that economically plausible. And so to just go out and say, you know, you guys have had your behind the scenes, whatever with Marcus, we're going to deal Marcus smart and we're going to see what we can come up with and, and get a piece that's, you know, he's not, it's not a Lillard, it's not a Beal, it's not a Simmons, but it's someone a little bit closer. And then we're going to flip that guy and we're going to turn him into who I just, you know, there's, I, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I don't think Brad Stevens, I, I just don't think it's his demeanor to go out there and do anything panicky. Yeah. And Alex, to your point, Jalen Brown is still, not like represented by one of the big guys. Right. I mean, he still keeps his cards close to his chest. He did finally pick up representation. I can't remember who it is, but yeah, he, but it's not like CAA or something. No, no, right? He's not like yeah. a clutch clientele, for example. So maybe this is their sh- shot at that. Adam, I think you're right. I don't know that if it was an attempt to rattle bird cages, it, it landed. It, it, it's interesting. And then we can move on or we can keep talking about it. Quite frankly, if you, we're pay- we're paying attention super closely. You would think the 2008 Celtics title is the most important title in sports. I mean, the the mythology around that thing is everlasting, and so it That's because feels the guys like- who played for that team won't let it die. Right, but so it feels like Boston is a big market, is the the center, it's the hub, right? But in reality, it's not necessarily a, a huge market, and certainly for athletes, it's not not a draw. So Boston is probably more akin to Minnesota uh, losing a player like Towns or another small market team getting poached rather than Miami or LA. And so for Boston to have young stars 
we were saying off air, the metaphor I used was sharks are circling in the water. Like Boston is going to be the kind of place that people come sniffing and, and try to jam wedges in, even though we feel like it's Teflon and how dare you? I mean, look at, look at the conversation that's going on with Tom Brady right now. Not that Jalen Brown is not quite Tom Brady, but the same principle I <laughs> think applies. Yeah. A few, more, a few more rings. All right. So I think we think this is a nothing burger, but I, I do think we think that this team can't last as constructed in perpetuity, um, which feels like a good enough segue to our little game. Let's do that. And we'll, we'll uh, remind our listeners that our game is of course brought to you by our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag. Our very good friends, betonline.ag. So Kaufman, here's the game. We're calling it dial, listen, or hang up. As in, at the trade deadline, should Boston be dialing the phone about a certain player of their on their roster? Should be listening to calls about a player on the, the Celtics roster? Or should they just hang up if a call comes through? So okay. I'll name a current Celtics player, and you tell me if Boston should be dialing the phone and trying to get rid of this player, shop this player. They should be taking calls, or they should hang up. Um, All right. Let's try to keep it in grounded in realism. I mean, if you have a bone to pick, you could let us know, but let's be <laughs> realistic. I'll start with you for each player, but I'll go around the dial. And we got a lot of players to get through, I think. So uh, keep it brief. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's start with perhaps the the uh, players most likely to be dealt, or at least I, I would figure. Um, and let's start with Josh Richardson. We're not going to talk about it, but uh, his name has been linked to the Utah jazz as of like 45 minutes ago. So mm-hmm. Kaufman, you dialing the phone, you listening to calls, or are you hanging up if, about Josh Richardson? Uh, I'm, I'm between dialing and listening. Uh, I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm dialing, you know, I'm, I'm dialing on Josh Richardson. I, but you know, I, I want to know what's out there. Obviously I'm, he's not a guy that I I'm looking to just give away, you know, I, I think that he's had a very good year and I think he serves a role and I think it's a good veteran presence and he can be that spark off the bench and be a two-way player and he's shooting better and having the bounce back year that Brad Stevens all told us he was, you know, going to have and, and all of that, that being said, I mean, I, I'm not delusional. He's not an irreplaceable piece. I just want to get something that's, that's comparable back for him. If I am getting rid of him, that, you know, can, can help this team. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I will make the overtures. I'll dial. All right, Alex dial, listen, or hang up. I'm listening on Josh Richardson. I think you've got to keep an open mind. I largely agree with Adam. And um, I think Josh Richardson is a kind of player who is going to be in reasonably high demand at the deadline, but he's also fairly important to this team as constructed and has really emerged as maybe the best bench guy for this squad, or at least the most consistently reliable. So I don't think I'm actually in any rush to trade Josh Richardson. If a great deal comes along that I can't ignore, then sure but I'm probably just listening on that one. I'm dialing, awesome. dialing, dialing, dialing. I agree with everything that has been said that he, you want to hang on to him, but if you can get a first round pick, I don't mean like a fake first round pick, like a number 29 pick or something like that. But if you can get like a real solid middle, middle of the pack at least or better first round pick for him, then I, I think that even with everything he brings, you have to shop him or ship him out. But otherwise I'll hang on to him. I don't know who's giving you a, a mid first round pick for Josh Richardson at this point, but I, I hear you what you're saying. Know. You never know. Are you talking about the jazz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Look, they might be desperate with Ingles down. Who knows? I think th- we've said this a bunch of times. I think a domino needs to fall and this could be a really exciting deadline. 
But if no one blinks, uh, people have good enough teams that they might ride it out. And that includes the Celtics and the Jazz. Uh, if I'm the Celtics, I'm dialing just because, yes, the, the tax threshold is really important, but Richardson's salary is just like a little spicier than Schroeder's. And so you might get into a different class of player while still probably trying to maintain that um, that salary threshold. Hoffman, speaking of which, I suspect I know the answer, but Schroeder, dial, listen, or hang up. I am emphatically dialing. I sure. am, uh, but <laughs> but let me let me also, I guess, qualify that. Like, there, I'm dialing, but but I'm not. It's it's not for like, I don't want to just give up Dennis Schroeder for a second round pick. You know what yeah. I mean? Because he does serve a role, and and we've certainly seen that this team is. You know, when Marcus Smart's down, let's say, or he and Richardson are down, like Schroeder's a guy that can step up and, and give you 20, 25 points in a spot start. And there just there aren't a lot of guys that can come off the bench and do that. And it's so ironic that we're talking about it this way, because he's the type of guy just in that sense, offensively, that the team, you know, that we as fans have been clamoring for for years for them to have off their bench that has, you know, even the capability of of doing that and not just be a you know, a Carson Edwards or something like that. But I, I think that if if we look at it rationally and say, all right, like even when healthy and and at a hundred percent and playing their best basketball, I still maybe I'm in the minority here, but I still don't believe they're a championship contender. I think like if everything breaks right, there's still a team that probably goes down in the second round and you know, like maybe like absolute dream scenario is they lose in the conference finals. But like more likely than not, they go down to the second round, maybe even the first round, worst case scenario, they don't even, you know, get out of the play in tournament or something like that. So if I'm, you know, thinking about that, I'm looking ahead to the future. I'm saying, all right, is Dennis Schroeder part of this team going forward? He's not. I'm not convinced, despite, you know, Brian Robb wrote a, a, a great article the other day about what his market could could be this summer and and how bad it is, quite frankly. And I, I realize there are not going to be a lot of great offers for him. I just don't see him back in Boston. So if we're under the impression that he is leaving and or or quite frankly, there are a lot of people out there that want him gone. So if you want him gone beyond this year, you don't need him right now. He's not taking you anywhere that your younger guys aren't taking you in the short term. So I would rather get rid of him, helps you out in the salary situation and and do what I've been begging for since, you know, the off season, which is let's develop these younger guys. Let's see if you have anything there in Peyton Pritchard and Romeo Langford and obviously in Aaron D. Smith, if all of these guys survive the trade deadline, because I, I just Pritchard to me, maybe not the same offensive ceiling, obviously, but in terms of just his overall abilities as a player. He's, you know, pretty much giving you the same thing as as Dennis Schroeder, except this guy has the ability to develop and be part of your team for a while as a key role player. So that's a little longer winded than you would have wanted, but I am dialing on Schroeder. Alex? Yeah, I'm dialing as well, Adam. And, you know, I think I've been dialing kind of since we signed him, to be honest. It's not really (laughs) even a knock on Dennis Schroeder, who I think actually can provide some value in the right situation. It's just literally we have never been able to pay him what he's going to get in this offseason. And he was always going to be, based on the deal that he signed with us, a one-year flyer, uh, I think. You're not going to get anything for for him in the offseason it's clear that his role is somewhat diminishing in the offense already. Deal him now, see what you can get, even if it's not much. Dialing. I don't have anything else to add, really. Just he's the most likely contract that is on the Celtics roster who could get them under the tax. It's pretty clear they want to get under the tax. 
I think even if they don't get anything back, as long as they get into the tax, they'll be happy to to make that deal happen. If they could get something for him, great. Yeah, and anyone who's curious, last week we covered why they desperately want to get under the tax. Honestly, I would dial and call Dennis himself and be like, hey, if you're sticking around, you need to be the sixth man. If you're not going to be the starting point guard, we need to throw our weight behind Smart. And we would love to have you be a spark plug and injury insurance, but we can't have you hunting for touches so you can boost your your bag next offseason. That's just not going to work. All right, let's do one more quickly and then maybe fly through the last of them. It's worth mentioning Grant Williams. So, Kaufman, dial, listen, or hang up. Listening. Uh, I'm certainly not hanging up, nor am I dialing. I think Grant's had a very good year, quite frankly, and an underrated year. I think there are a lot of guys on this team that we've spent a lot of time talking about over this, you know, the course of this year. And Grant Williams sort of gets left out. He's, you know, sort of turned the clock back. He's a young guy, but he's turned the clock back a, a couple of years. You know, last year was not a good year for him, but obviously he was, you know, very good as a rookie. It's when we we're all throwing around the Al Horford light. And, you know, this guy's going to be a, a great NBA role player for, you know, coming off the bench for, for good teams for a decade. And, you know, he's never going to be an all-star, but he's a guy that is serviceable and on and on and on. And now, obviously, he's had the three-point shot. You know, I, I wish Grant Williams, you know, weren't the guy that was one of your more reliable <laughs> three-point shooters, but that's not an indictment of him. It's an indictment of everybody else, obviously. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm listening. I'm listening because if you can get something for him that, you know, will better help you in the future and, and in your growth of, of this team to chase banner 18, then by all means, again, far from untouchable, but I'm not actively trying to get rid of him. Alex, Justin, anything quick? I am hanging up and I'm hanging up for (laughs) two reasons. One, because I like Grant Williams and actually want him to be a part of this team going forward. And two, because if you are going to trade Grant Williams, you should not do it at this trade deadline. You should wait until the offseason. He's got another year guaranteed on his contract at $6 million, slightly higher salary. You might be able to get a better player out of it. And uh, in, I'm thinking that he will likely continue if his development continues to progress the way it's going. He might be a better player and a more valuable one by the end of the season. So for right now, Grant's not getting dealt. I think he's going through the season. If you're going to trade him, trade him in the offseason. Also listening, but, you know, again, for the three-point shooting, it's really hard to trade away a guy who is your best three-point shooter unless you're getting something better back. And I don't necessarily see that guy being floated out there just yet. But if he's the guy that makes a deal like that happen, why not? Fair enough. I, I like Alex's read best. I'm going to say <laughs> good job, Alex. Kaufman, you got time for Smart and Horford? Uh, sure. Okay. Horford. Uh, Horford, uh, I mean, you have to be listening. Uh, sure. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I'm... I, you could even dial on Horford. I just don't know that it's going to get you very far, quite frankly. And and I, I look, I, I love Al Horford. I love what he brings to this team. He's had a resurgent year. He's been really, really good. Obviously a great veteran. He's, he's a solid locker room guy. Uh, you know, I, you can debate. He's certainly not a, a vocal leader, but, you know, I do think he leads and leads by example and certainly commands the respect of, of all the guys in the room. And he's sort of an extent, extension of the coaching staff on the floor and all of that. But when you consider what is, contract situation is you know the the rest of this year and into next year and what's guaranteed and what he's owed and all of that you have to be exploring it at the very least I I guess the reason that I say I'm I'm more listening than dialing is because 
you know, I, I really don't believe Al Horford's going to be here next year, but I think it, it feels to me like more of an off season thing where if you're, if you're mm-hmm. Brad Stevens and you're trying to do something big, you know, you're trying to make a splash, you know, this is something we sort of ignored when talking about Richardson earlier is, you know, you have to have some of these contracts available to you to put that money together to even make a larger move in the first place. And Al Horford's got a, a significant salary tied to him, dating back to that deal, obviously, that he signed with Philadelphia when he left Boston the first time around. So that's sort of where I fall on him. Fantastic. Alex? Couldn't agree more. I think it's listening. I'm not sure I'm dialing. I think if I would dial again, it would be an off-season thing. You listen, but honestly, Horford's been playing better lately. And I think just from a locker room vibe standpoint, given that the Celtics are, fingers crossed, knock on wood, trending (laughs) up a little bit here, I think now's not quite the right time unless you get blown away by an obvious deal that you have to take. Nothing else meaningful to add to that. I like Al, want to see him around, but... He's clearly not part of the future future, so you do have to listen. Yeah, if, if the salary comes into play, go for it. But if not, and Alex, knock on wood again, Rob Williams has gone a long stretch of healthy basketball, and we don't always see that from Rob Williams. Uh, and Boston could could lose a guy in the wing or maybe even in the backcourt, but they're just thin on the front line. All right, and then finally, Marcus fucking smart. Goffman. Well, so I'll, I'll preface by saying this. Jason Tatum, you're hanging up. Robert Williams, you're hanging up. Jalen Brown, I think a lot of people would be hanging up, and you should be. Uh, you know, I understand the people that want Let to go listen. to voicemail and listen, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, you know, check your voicemail. Exactly. You know, see if, see if there's anything that tempts you into a call back. So I, I say all that because those three guys in particular mm-hmm. are your core. And Marcus Smart is sort of that other guy like Marcus Smart, you know, Ime Odoka's called him a foundational piece. You know, I, I really think if not for that whole missing the flight thing going way back, you know, into the off season, he would be your captain right now. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, that screwed up the whole situation, derailed the whole captaincy thing, but he is the de facto captain. And obviously he is a, a leader, maybe a little too vocal at times with the media and, and maybe does ruffle feathers of, of some teammates behind the scenes. But I mean, that guy is as heart and soul as heart and soul gets. And I am absolutely a Marcus Smart truther. So all that being said, uh, I'm I'm not hanging up. You can't. You know, he's not untouchable. Uh, I'm not dialing either on Marcus Smart. I'm not trying to get rid of him. I think Marcus Smart is a very important piece. And I think you need guys like Marcus Smart to get to the promised land. And I don't think he's got this egregious contract that he signed in the offseason. And, and honestly, you know, if if Ime and he started to do this of late, finally starts to use him the right way, which is as a true point guard, you know, where, where he's out there as a playmaker and distributing and doing all of the wonderful things that he does defensively. And he not, he's not out there taking 10, 15 shots in a game. You know, he's keeping it around eight, nine or whatever it is. And occasionally he's going to go over depending on who's out, but let's say he's averaging, you know, nine shots or so, and occasionally even taking fewer than that. He's not just taking hero shot after hero shot or all these heat checks. And, and he, he does what is just, you know, we've seen it in, in the last couple of weeks, you know, since he's returned obviously from his injury and then COVID absence, this is, is quintessential. Like this is the perfect Marcus smart. What we are seeing right now is the perfect version of Marcus smart. I truly believe that. I think his teammates believe that. I think the coaches in front office believe that as well. So that is a guy that I'm listening on because you never know when he's, when he's going to revert back, you have to listen uh, and, and, you know, just be aware of, of what you could potentially fetch. But 
Uh, I am in no like I'm I'm not one of the anti-smart guys that just can't wait to get rid of this guy. That's 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 not me. As as the the old blocks say, whatever it is in this house, we do not stand Marcus Smart or something like that. You know, I <laughs> I or slander Marcus Smart. I'm not I'm not looking to get rid of him, but I will listen. I'm open-minded. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I just want to say that there has been this subsection of Celtics fandom, I'm, in, I'm included, that wanted to try and see what the Celtics look like with a better point guard. What if they already have him? As you pointed out, we are just seeing him used correctly as a true point guard. And the early returns are pretty amazing. I, I have actually come off of that ledge. And now I want to see Smart finish the season. I really want to see what he could do. Before I was of the mind where if you could get Somehow, I don't know, a DeJounte Murray into the Celtics roster or someone of that ilk, that it might be worth making that change just to, to change things in how the Celtics play and get some information before you kind of get into this whole notion of pre-agency, before you make the big, big move, right? Well, what if we already have that guy? What if that guy is on the roster now? I really think we need to give him a chance. Alex, anything we missed? Uh, I am largely in the same vein. I am, I'm like listening, but I'm also like watching a movie and like doing my taxes and my phone <laughs> might be buzzing. And, you know, if it buzzes, it buzzes, but I'll get to it later. It's the same deal. I think Marcus has earned every right to finish out the season at a minimum. Love him and trust him. You know, I just, he, if you look at the last couple of games, how visibly better the team has performed when he's on the floor and when he's empowered to really be the player that we all think he can be. You have to listen just because somebody might make a ludicrous offer and then you have to think about it, but I'm not in any rush. So like I said, watching a movie, doing my taxes, my phone is on, but it's off in the corner somewhere. Might be on silent. You don't notice it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have complicated thoughts because of the glass in Marcus Smart's hand. So <laughs> I, I need to carve out like five minutes for myself to talk uh, on the other side of our break. So Kaufman, we'll let you go first. Um, you host the Celtics Beat podcast. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, just, you know, join us for uh, for that show every week. We uh, we usually drop on Thursdays, Fridays, it, and we bounce all over, but uh, we usually have a lot of great guests, Evan Valenti and I, and, and uh, you know, you can always find our shows on, on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman is, is where you can find me. I think Evan's at Evan Valenti. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, for anyone's listening, keep doing what you're doing, which is listen to uh, all these great Celtic shows across the CLNS network. Way to move the product, buddy. Uh, <laughs> last question for the YouTube crowd. Goodness, God forbid, there's a fire. What's the one thing off that shelf you're grabbing? Oh man. Uh, I've been listening, but I've been fascinated. Yeah. Sentimentally, it might be the Griffey upper deck rookie card uh, because that was just, that was, that was my guy. That's my favorite player of all time. But there's, I mean, 
I guess it'd be ludicrous to save any of the DVDs at this point. Uh, you could probably find most of that stuff streaming somewhere, even if you got to pay two, three bucks to rent to have it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe the Griffey card and a couple of the autograph things. You know, I'll tell you what, I, I'm pretty sure that there, you know what, for, for the YouTube crowd, I'll show you this because I don't even know that you can see it. Uh, this right here is uh, that probably in contention. This this is signed by, that. yeah, this is signed by, uh Heinsen and Kuzi and Parrish and Jojo White, Togo Palazzi, if you remember him, wow. uh Gene Conley and uh and Dana Barrows. Wow. <laughs> it's a it's a weird mix, but I like it a lot. Unfortunately, it's starting to fade a little bit, and that's kind of pissing me off. Not bad. I bet yeah. in 2006 that would look really good upside down and backwards, uh, but yeah, it looks pretty good on your shelf now. All <laughs> right, uh, Mr. Kaufman, thanks so much for stopping by. This was this was a blast and uh we covered a lot. Thanks again. Anytime, guys. My pleasure. Thanks again to Adam Kaufman for stopping by. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. To celebrate the new year, they've rolled out a new updated desktop and mobile website. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you sign up right now from football and basketball to UFC and your favorite casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers that online has in 2022. Alex, let me ask you this. Yeah. We have odds for the NBA coach of the year. If you were a betting man, uh, who would you guess is going to be the coach of the year? I'll tell you those odds that uh, bet online is flirting with. For the NBA coach of the year, there's a number of really good candidates. I'm looking at two in particular that I think would make a lot of sense. The first is Eric Spolstra, who is always in the running for coach of the year and who is continuing to do wonders with, even though the Celtics crushed the Miami Heat the other night. Uh, the Heat are playing really well. They're a top seed in the Eastern Conference, despite dealing with a ton of injuries and COVID absences. So Eric Spolstra would be one pick. And then in the Western Conference for my Coach of the Year pick, I have, I have to look at Taylor Jenkins and what he's done with the Memphis Grizzlies. The fact that the Grizzlies have gone from an unheralded, fun, but not quite their young team to a genuine juggernaut three seed that I think has a real chance to make a deep Western Conference playoff run. I think both of those guys are firmly in the running for me. Well, I'll tell you that Spo is sixth right now at plus 1100 and Jenkins ah. is fourth at plus 750 Monty Williams leads the pack at plus 115 I'm not a, a betting person but uh I bet there's a lot of value at that Jenkins pick because I really like both of those picks with that value actually <laughs> all right well head to betonline.ag that's the fastest and easiest place to wager all your favorite sports bets bet online where the game starts okay thanks again really thanks again for Adam that was that was awesome and uh, that Jalen Brown news came out like minutes before we went on. And so that was real rapid reaction. We are going to close out the rest of the pod with the news. And yes, I have to talk about the glass and Jalen Irving and uh, Marcus Smart's hand. Since we last talked, the Celtics had a historic 128-75 win uh, over the Kings, which was, if you're a Kings fan, oh my God. <laughs> uh, then the Celtics went on a little road trip where they uh, had a win. Where did they win? Uh, they won over the Pelicans. Oh, the Pels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 I see. And then they, and they lost to Atlanta. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, so the ugly, ugly game against Atlanta. Less ugly game against New Orleans. Although it was 
it wasn't a pretty game for most of it. And then, as Alex mentioned, a nice win against Miami last night. How are you feeling, gentlemen? January has been pretty good for the Celtics. So the record isn't that much better, but the wins are very clearly much better. We have three big blowouts uh, in this month already, and they are convincing. So I'm feeling pretty good. The inconsistency losses are very consistent, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, It's exactly how they have been sucking all year long. So when that happens, I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about the fact that they are able to string together some really good games against admittedly teams that they should be kicking the ass of, but they're kicking the ass of them, which is, you know, good. I'm feeling decent primarily because Jason Tatum appears to be getting some rhythm. And typically, as the Celtics have gone for the past two years, Jason Tatum is usually the one who's helping them to go wherever they need to go. That was a totally butchered sentence, but you know what I mean, listeners. Um, Jason Tatum is heating up. The Celtics are playing better. The record is still not quite there, I agree. And there's definitely plenty of inconsistency to go around with this team. Ultimately, the Celtics are still playing at most slightly above 500 ball right now. But Jason Tatum is getting better. Jalen Brown seems to be getting into a nice rhythm. Marcus Smart and Rob Williams, those four guys seem to be developing their chemistry a little bit more. So I am cautiously optimistic. And at the very least, in the next six weeks, they play the the Pistons four times. So that's nice. Yeah, if perhaps this is just a 500 club, it makes sense that they weren't so hot in December and they they were surprisingly hot in January. One thing that I noticed today that I guess is is consistent with what we just mentioned in the last 15 games, the Celtics offense ranks number 10 in the NBA, their defense ranks number one and their net rating ranks number one. Justin, are you, are you buying that that is a trend that could hold or this is just one month? I mean, it's going to get watered down as the intensity in the schedule ticks up near the end of the league calendar year. But I do think that we are really just kind of seeing a slightly better than 500 team like I'm saying like maybe like a you know 55% 60% of the 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 calendar they'll win uh based on the talent on the roster once they know how to play together but they had to learn how to play together and they had to do it during a really really difficult part of basically the most difficult uh slate of games in the entire month of December in the NBA and one of the most difficult early season first half of the season schedules So that's a very long way of saying, yes, I do think this is sustainable, maybe not to the level that it's been, but I I do think that we're going to see a lot, a lot less games they were supposed to win end up as very frustrating losses. Alex, you buying it or are you selling it? Ah, It's so tough to buy and sell anything with this team because it seems like they turn it around every other week. It's like, oh, the Celtics have won a few games in a row and their offense looks great. And then they have a devastating loss to an inferior opponent. So I'm not sure that I can buy or sell yet. I think I'm going to hold and wait and see what happens with this upcoming game tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets, which I think will actually be a pretty interesting test, a kind of measuring stick game for where the Celtics are at. I'm sorry if that's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I need more data. It's funny you say that. I was thinking about these numbers. I put it on our Twitter page at Celtics Lab on Twitter. And I was excited. It was fun. I mean, those are fun numbers. But it occurs to me that if this was the beginning of the season and a team was 10 and 5 or whatever 
I would say, all right, slow your roll. That's not how data sets work. This is not statistically significant, <laughs> these numbers. And so just because it happens in January doesn't necessarily mean as much. I suppose you could make the case that they've had time to get out and sprint and these are maybe more polished numbers, but yeah, it's just not a, a data set uh, to use your term that holds much water, I don't think. Um, and especially, so of course we have the trade deadline coming up, but there's still things that this team needs to iron out. They need to figure out where they have shooting and where to put it. They need to figure out what to do with these double bigs lineups. And at least for the next week, they need to figure out what to do with Smart and Schroeder. So Justin, anything over the past month in terms of like rotations or schemes that have either changed or caught your eye in a negative way? Uh, not necessarily in a negative way because there have been adjustments and that would be, that would have been my biggest complaint for a very long time. Ime Odoka has been largely immune to criticism, but eventually people started paying a little bit more attention, particularly to his offensive uh, rotations and they weren't making a lot of sense. You know, that's what this whole smart Schroeder thing, them being on the court at the same time, it doesn't work. It does not work. And we're seeing some acknowledgement of that. We're seeing uh, Schroeder's role being kind of pulled back a little bit in terms of minutes. Uh, we're seeing less overlap between the two. We're not really seeing the overlap over the two uh, bigs as starters thing, which I, I kind of do still want to see some experimentation. But I mean, as long as we're winning, I don't think that's such a big deal. And then the other thing that wasn't happening was Udoka wasn't trusting any of the young guys. And, you know, it's very predictable, but it's still a problem. And yeah. he's been he's been adjusting to that as well. So I actually don't have anything specific to critique about what's been happening lately, specifically because Udoka has been kind of tweaking things in a way that acknowledge these criticisms that are right now pretty evident to even people as dumb as me. So. <laughs> Alex, what about you? I've long been in the camp of we need to just give Ime some time, especially with this weird wonky roster that uh, has pieces that only sort of fit well together, like where four or five of the pieces fit well with, you know, a few others and some pieces fit well with others, but no, nothing actually comes together in a cohesive whole, especially given that he is a rookie head coach. I, I just feel like it's all—it's always too early with the rookie head coach conversation to really pile on unless they've truly lost the locker room in the case of like Nate Bjorkren, where it was obvious where that was headed midway through last year. Ime has not lost the locker room by all accounts. Smart, Jalen, Jason, Rob all believe in him. I think he's still very much figuring out what works not just for this team, but also as a head coach generally, what are best practices. So, and you know, so far the results are slightly trending up. So I think, I think we're fine there. One thing that I have noticed that I really like is a, a bit of a smoothing of the rotation. I feel like uh, Grant Williams and Josh Richardson are getting more burn and in more important points, uh, whatever happens with the trade deadline, this is the kind of addition by subtraction that we've been talking about that people are finding a role and rhythm. I mean, it, there's just a lot of players on this roster that maybe could be the sixth, seventh man on this team. And it's gotta be someone. So between Horford, Grant and Richardson tethering that three to four man core of the Jays, uh, Time Lord and Smart, that, that, that's a really interesting development to me. Uh, some sort of stability now it could change. 
<laughs> next week and we'll we'll reassess as such but i i have liked that a lot i also have been noticing that Odoka is riding hot hands a little more especially in the fourth is a little more flexible with his rotations uh, both to both of your points maybe just because he now has kind of the organizational clout and the the buy-in from the team i mean a new and a rookie coach doing things willy-nilly maybe uh, doesn't work in november but now that the the group knows each other a little bit better maybe that's a little different so yeah january had slightly uh, less difficult opponents and so let's not get out of it for ourselves but Number one in defense is is kind of what we always figured was the aim for a team like this is get yourself in the top five of the defense, see what you can do on offense and roll out the dice. Uh, I'm toying with maybe in a few weeks we should do a podcast where we uh, explore any contenders that have really won with defense versus offense in the past or what the analog for this team would be, but that's for a future podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested in it. All right. One piece of news that we need to talk about is, uh, and I don't have it in front of me, so I don't have the exact quote, but Smart was asked about his hand, the hand that uh, is his dominant, his dominant hand, his right hand, the hand that uh, a few years ago, he, I don't think we know the full story, but it made its way through a glass picture frame and he was cut up pretty good and had to have surgery. And Smart two or three days ago offered basically the following. There's still glass in my hand. The doctors say they can't go in and take out more of it. It would actually be cause more problems. And it feels pretty good, but sometimes I don't feel my hand at all. And I would like to react to that statement for a little bit because my initial reaction, Justin and Alex, you know, was, well, you need to trade that person because under no circumstances should you pay someone $18 million who can't feel their shooting hand you want this to be your pass first uh, floor spacing point guard and he can't feel his right hand. That's in- insane. That's lunacy. This isn't, you know, the, the kid who's riding out their senior year and this is a dream or this isn't a, a super duper all-star who uh, can, you know, levitate a basketball with his mind. This is your fourth to fifth best player who has always been tumultuous. And you have openly lamented that maybe we've got to trade this dude. And now he's telling people, oh, basically unprompted, that he can't feel his right hand. Yes, the highlights. Yeah, the, the highlights of him passing to a flashing Robert Williams are fantastic. And at times, Marcus Smart has been a reasonably good shooter. But I think the thought experiment of Marcus Smart as the dude in the clutch in the throws of an NBA Finals has always been scary. Right, that you never know what you're going to get with Marcus Smart. That he might get teed up or more accurately brick a three when you need him most. And I think we've always been okay with that deal with the devil because he's so fun. He makes impactful plays away from the ball that you can't quantify and he's great for the culture. But, and I, I also suspect that he and Jalen Brown don't like each other, but that's a different story. I just, I, if this team has any real hopes of contending, I just, I don't understand how your third or fourth highest paid player can be a dude who can't feel their right hand. It's basketball. It's it's he can't be J- Jason Pierre Paul. He needs that thing to use a basketball. And so he were sometimes he can't feel. Yeah, but what if that what if that one time is uh June 20th through 26th, right? I mean, that would be a bad time for that sometimes sure. to flare up. So logically, 
if I was viewing this uh, like Daryl Morey or from space or something, I would say you need to trade this person because what the hell are you talking about? They have glass in their hand and it causes them to lose feeling in their hand that they used to shoot a basketball emotionally. And knowing that basketball is about relationships as much as it is about shooting basketballs. I have struggled more with saying uh, categorically, you need to trade this dude. He's very important to the heart and soul of the team. As Kaufman just mentioned, he probably should be the captain at this time. Um, And the proof might be in the pudding. I mean, he he was thinking about his hand. I bet recently he couldn't feel his hand. And yet he's been recently playing really good basketball. So it's something that uh, really blindsided me. I don't think any of us thought that Marcus Smart has glass in his hand. And it could be the smallest sliver. The most generous read of this is he doesn't want to get traded. So he's He's putting it out there that, hey, I'm damaged goods. Don't trade for me, which I like that theory the most. Um, all right. I took a lot of time. I don't think react. that's it. He has admitted this several points in the past. Uh, he never said mm-hmm. the thing about not being able to feel his hand. He has mentioned uh, at several points. This was in 2018. The backstory that we do know of is that some female acquaintance posted some kind of a picture. Whether he was in it or not, I don't know. Uh, and it enraged him and he hit the picture frame and that was the, the cause of it. I do tend to take, I have been taking the generous read as a very small amount and that the medical team doesn't feel that it is a serious risk because if it was, I mean, he's $14.5 million this season only going up and they would say in an off season, you're getting a, that surgery now <laughs> because right. we, we owe you all this money. Right. So in my mind, I talked myself through it when, when you kind of had a bit of, I don't know, I guess a panic attack would be the right word. To, to, and I, I get I, it too. Cause I mean, that's a, like, it's a bit concerning, but, and I I mentioned this in our chat as well. Uh, I've been the dumbass in the past who's saying, let's trust the medical team about the point guards injury. And <laughs> it didn't work out very good. We'll just leave that there. But, I, after some time, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it just because it seems to me this is a, a very easy off-season, you go get this done kind of a thing if it is a real problem. Yeah, I mean, him saying the doctor said it would make it worse, I don't uh, – maybe. I, I'm not a hand doctor. I, I also, for whatever it's worth, I don't understand how you could punch a picture frame and make, like, microscopic glass. I feel like it has to be a reasonably big piece of glass. But now I'm, like, really <laughs> speculating – Alex, do you care at all about Marcus Smart's glass hand? I think that galaxy brain read Marcus Smart is actually just stealth tanking his own trade value. And I actually don't think that this is a real story at all. <laughs> I desperately want to believe that. I don't know. I, it's it's the same heuristic that like if if you heard what Donald Trump said in another country, you'd be like, well, that country's in trouble. And if... Uh, I don't know what who the mark who's the closest to a Marcus Smart on another team in the NBA. If um, Pat Beverly, two years, no, but but a team, yeah, but a team, yeah. If Pat Beverly on the Clippers was like, oh, this there's a screw loose in my knee, but it's it's good. I mostly feel my knee. I'd be like, oof, geez, Louise, that sounds like a huge problem, right? So additional context on Smart, he didn't say it would necessarily make it worse than originally. He might be saying that now, but in the original reporting that came out, I think it was Steve Bopet actually who, who wrote up the uh, article I was looking at, was that it would end his season when it happened. Oh, okay, that's a that important. That could be a pretty big difference in terms of what needs to happen. So that's why I'm thinking 
that for him, he didn't want to end the season then. And now if he does it, that he'll be out for several months because, you know, wrist surgeries usually tend to be that way. So right. to me, it's just, if it's going to happen, it has to happen in the off season. And probably it's not a big deal because the worst thing that happens is some numbness. This is my very generous interpretation. But anyway, I digress. Well, if anything, this underscores that following your favorite sports team, your mind and your heart don't always agree. And uh, I've, I've been dealing with that situation lately. Uh, from bad health news, perhaps, to good health news, perhaps, Aaron Baines, uh, I'm sure anyone who's listened to this podcast is aware, but he went from a very scary health situation to now perhaps looking to make a comeback in the NBA. Uh, some really good writing out there about that. And so I would, I would point you in that direction. Otherwise, in terms of news, just a few things that perhaps the Cavaliers are interested in Schroeder uh, and the Mavs are out on Schroeder, but between now and next Thursday, who knows what we, we will learn. Any trade deadline news, nuggets, whispers, hopes that you guys have to close this one out? It's really interested to see what the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to do. They've been super aggressive and it sounds like they really want to maintain their top four slot in the East and make a genuine playoff run. I yes. wouldn't be supri- surprised. I mean, they, they, there's been some reporting suggesting that they're willing to dangle their 2022 first for the right team. If that's the case, and if I'm a team that has an asset that I may be looking to offload to get back into the draft, Holy crap. I am looking at that for a long period of time. Only thing I'm going to add to that is again, a plea to the Celtics ownership. Perfect is the enemy of the good. Hit some singles. Perfect is the enemy of the done as well. Uh, I think that I am increasingly fascinated with the Oklahoma city thunder and they have a depth chart that, uh, they should just break up the thunder and just smatter the players throughout the league. Because what are the consequences the of breaking up the thunder? Though, like they're literally in the exact same place that they would have been if they hadn't broken. Up. If anything, they're winning too many games, anyways. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I don't think I think the Celtics are going to do anything other than swap Dennis out for a player that probably I've never heard of, um, but. We will see. I guess it's possible that the Celtics do something big. I, I still maintain that it's either going to be huge or not much, nothing doing, because I think too many, too many teams are looking for someone else to make the first move, and that might not happen. So we will. We have one more wonderful podcast, unless we have an emergency podcast to check in before the trade deadline. So be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app so that you don't miss other ramblings about Marcus Smart or trade deadline coverage. Thanks again to betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 to get 50% off your first bet. And we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.